Welcome, Friendship Fam. Joining us at Friendship Church Studios is Matt Clausen and Joel Farber. We're continuing to do a deep dive into 1 John, so dive into the deep end with us in Chapter 5. I'm Kenny White, inviting you to grab some coffee, buckle up, and enjoy the ride on this week's episode of your Friendship Church Podcast. Welcome, fam. Thanks for joining us. Glad to have you with us today. I'm here with Matt and Joel. And uh, Joel, I do believe that you have something for us today. Is that right? Oh, I just got a question. Okay. What's your question, Joel? Well, we're coming off a great staff lunch the other day put on by none other than the Woolettes here at church. and Amazing food. Always yeah, amazing. amazing. And, you know, I couldn't help but leave the other day thinking about how good the food is that we get to eat at those lunches. And uh, it got me pondering this question that I'm curious to know. Uh, What is something that you enjoy eating so much, it just feels like a sin that you're you're, uh, partaking? Okay. What what do I enjoy eating so much that feels like a sin? Feels like, you know, like Mm -hmm. just like a super dark chocolate, Reese's peanut butter is that cup yours? or something. I don't know. Like when I think of sinful like foods, I think of like right. just gobs of chocolate. Okay. Okay. Do you- <laughs> Matt, Matt's making some great faces over here. Wow. He's like, yes. I, I, I mean, this isn't exotic, but it's got to be ice cream because uh, it's probably sinful because every time it's offered, I take it. Mm-hmm. Like when was the last time somebody offered ice cream and I turned it down? Oh, no. <laughs> I, no, not for me. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not sure I could remember a time yeah. when someone offered me ice cream and I said, no thanks, or no, not right now, or no, I just had three steaks, I'm full, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I can't remember, right. nope. That oh, is yeah. funny. So Cindy Cindy has this belief that there is always a, a dessert, I don't know, compartment that has room. So yeah, it's true. It's been really tough with having kids because the kids are like, I'm full. And I'll go, Oh, okay. Well, do you want some dessert? And they're like, Yeah. Then I go, Then you're not full. <laughs> you, <laughs> you're not. And Cindy goes, No, that's not true. That's not true. They still have room. They're full of that food, but they're not full of like the ice cream that yep. Matt's talking about. She that's said what, it. Yeah. I, I don't believe in a dessert compartment. I absolutely believe that ice cream liquefies and fills cracks. Yes, that's true too. <laughs> okay. That's, that seems reasonable. Wow. <laughs> and justifiable. Mm-hmm. I like how you did that. that. That's really good. Man, that's really good. I... I, well, I have, I don't know, a half a dozen things that came to mind when uh, you said that, but I'll, I'll share some of them. I'm with Matt on the ice cream, although I am very purposeful in not participating in it because I like I would just eat it till I'm sick. Mm-hmm. I, I know I would. Same with Oreo cookies and same with French silk pie. Mm. Like those, those things. I can, one time uh, I went to the store and it's the only time I've ever seen this. But they had the stuff. They had like this pint of the stuff from Oreo cookies. Mm, you know what? the the middle cream. Yeah, mm. they just had a pint. Worst of part. It. What are you? You must oh be my. kidding me right now. No, worst part. I'm so angry at you. I can't even believe you would say that. Oreo finally made these thin versions oh, of themselves. No, that, those are not Oreos. Even that has too much of the the middle stuff. You're making me so angry. 
Matt, you got to help This me. is honestly when we probably need to say again, he runs the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be in here. Hi. We would kick him out right now, but we have no ability to produce this podcast on. Oh my word! Uh, like now, I know that produces Oreos produce sin for me because I'm just ready to fight on its behalf. <laughs> That's so true. There's a, no way, man. The best part. Mm. Okay, the creamy center. Okay, what is it for you? I would say Matt took mine. It's ice cream. Yeah, but typically ice cream of certain variations. Like I'm a through and through chocolate ice cream good kind whatever like i can eat that for days but i don't feel bad about it uh-huh but it's when i get like those funky monkey ones you know what i mean oh yeah funky yeah yep. monkey or like ones. if i spend <laughs> too much money on an ice cream like you know i can get a gallon of chocolate ice cream for seven bucks right i can get a small little pint of like that haagen caramel cone ice yes. cream I know. for like five Preach. bucks right it's so good but and- the value <laughs> Well, you just just go over a couple more aisles and go get a bag of like candy bars or something and just throw it in there. Right. And you're you're set. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that by chance an unforgivable sin? (laughs) (laughs) I don't no, I don't think that's an unforgivable sin, but uh you bring up a really good point. We are finishing up first John today, fellers. I know there's there is a lot in in First John chapter five mm. uh, that we could deal with, some of which we've dealt with already, but there are a few new concepts that maybe we want to talk about. One in particular, and it's starting around. I think verse twelve will give us a little bit of context, and then it jumps in to verse thir- thirteen. Let's. I think we can go through verse seventeen on that. As as you're looking that up, Joel, I, I'm going to ask Matt this question. Matt, is it okay to not pray for people? Like I, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I read this earlier and I was thinking about it and I'm like, ah, oh, do I now? Is it justified to not pray for people? I want to answer because you're asking because you don't want to pray for me anymore because I don't like Oreos the way you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this is being asked. That's, that's right. The unforgivable sin, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes. I don't know if that's what the unforgivable sin is. I, d- I don't think that's it. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into that. What do you think, Matt? There's apparently, according to the passage that we looked at today, there's uh, the ability or command even mm-hmm. to not pray in certain ways for certain people. Okay. Okay, well, let's find out about it. Joe, won't you... Start us off in verse 12, and we'll read through uh, verse 17. Yeah. First John 5, 12 through 17 says this, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin but there is sin that does not lead to death. Oh man. There there's some there's some stuff here, fellas. That's there's, a big that's like a quadruple stuffed Oreo. 
oh man, now I'm not going to be able to focus the rest of the time. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that most people think of this as one of the most controversial passages in the scripture. Sure. But I will say that for my money, it's the passage that I have the least clarity about, perhaps mm. in the entire New Testament. Mm-hmm. Like you ask me what's being talked about here, and I have a giant bowl of I don't know. Yeah. To serve to you. Yeah. I got some guesses. I've right. read some things. Right. But if you lock me down, I'll say, I'm 54% sure it's this. Yeah, right, right. I think you, you have to make a few intellectual or spiritual leaps to, to uh, draw some conclusions on this. Now, uh, Matt, I know that, that this has been something that you've, uh, you have been considering. We've been talking about it kind of offline a little bit. And uh, there, there are a few options. I, I, I'm gonna, you know, the one that I lean into a little bit more than the others. So I'll hold off on. I'll, I'll ask you to hold off on that one. But uh, what are what are some of the options? Where where do where do scholars go with this particular passage? Well, we at least one option, and this isn't the option that Kenny leads towards, and it's actually not the option I lead towards either, but I'll present it, is that the death that is speaking, the sin that leads to death in this passage that's being spoken about is sin that leads to physical death. And we see throughout the scripture that God punishes by bringing physical death into certain people's lives. Uh, Whether we are talking about Achan uh, in as the people are entering into the promised land or Ananias and Sapphira or the wicked cities in Genesis chapter 18 and 19, Sodom and Gomorrah, or whether we're talking about a number of first Corinthians 11 that Kenny preached through last Sunday that says certain people are falling ill and even to the point of death because of the way that they were abusing the Lord's supper and abusing each other in the midst of quote unquote worship. Uh, and so there are those who believe that the sin that leads to death here leads to a physical death that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. if they, if a person has committed a sin that leads to a physical death, like Ananias and Sapphira, like Achan, like mm-hmm. uh, maybe even David with his infant or preborn son, mm. there is no point in praying for that. That punishment has been determined. That once God determines that a person is going to die physically because of what sin they have committed, there's no point in praying for them that is a settled matter. Right. And so it isn't that you shouldn't pray for them. You don't need to pray for them in that particular. You don't need to pray for them to have life. Right. Because it's been settled. Physical death is coming. Right. Because of God's pronouncement in their life. So that's at least one idea behind this passage is when it talks about a sin that leads to death, it is talking about physical death. Mm-hmm. And and in principle, uh, like that does make sense. Uh, that is reasonable. That that seems to match up in scripture hermeneutically when we look at this passage. Uh, th- that is a little bit of a problem though because it says, uh, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. So if we're talking about the, the physical death, then we would also be talking about a physical life as well. And th- that doesn't necessarily seem to match up in this particular passage. So that that that's one of the crossroads or problems that we have. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Uh, any other thoughts on that? No, I, I'd love for you to present the other, the other perspective because <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's probably 
closer to where we both land, although I think right. even there we see some challenges with that yeah, position as well. For sure, absolutely. In Mark chapter 3, Matthew chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, it's the story of Beelzebub, right? The spirit of Beelzebub and the 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 uh, religious leaders are saying to Jesus that he has this spirit of Beelzebub that's connected to Satan. So in other words, Jesus isn't the Messiah in those passages, according to those uh, spiritual leaders. He's the devil. And uh, Jesus says there's a sin that leads to death there. And specifically calling Jesus the devil, <laughs> they're not. They're clearly not receiving the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're not identifying Jesus as the Messiah. That is the sin that leads to death. That's the unforgivable sin. We, if you don't receive Jesus as your savior, then you're not saved. It's uh, and so accepting Jesus as a demon or less than savior, um, uh, that's not forgivable. Like you can't go in front of God on Judgment Day and be forgiven. Because you didn't receive him as your savior. You mm. actually thought of him in an opposite way. So with that in and mind... this passage, or this yeah. book, excuse me, has even expressly talked about those kinds of people identifying them as antichrists that are among them. First John. Yep, First yeah. John. Yeah, First yeah, John yeah. has identified antichrists that are among them, people who are against Christ in their thinking and actions. Exactly. And historically, that's connected with this... Uh, Serenthus, who uh, was a heretic in John's day and who believed that the Christ spirit came on Jesus and then withdrew uh, before the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it, it's, an, it's a forerunner of Gnosticism. Uh, you have to have kind of the special knowledge that the gospel wasn't enough and, and that sort of thing. So with that in mind, it could be, we could be saying that uh, the the person who does not receive Jesus as a savior, or in other words, that would say that Jesus's spirit is different than God in the flesh, uh, would be the Antichrist and would be suffering the sin that leads to death. So that's the idea behind that one. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's that's where I tend to lean, but there are some problems with that. Yeah. And just in fairness, even though we lean that direction, one problem with that is that John starts this section by saying, if anyone sees his brother. So how is someone who has rejected Christ, uh, who has rejected the Spirit's offer of salvation, a brother? And I think that's one of the primary challenges to the position that we lean towards, that we have to say, man, this is a confusing passage. Right, right. It's just not clear. Mm-hmm. It it would be way easier if uh, John would have said, "Hey, there, will, hey, brothers, there will be some antichrists among you, mm-hmm. and you, you don't need to pray for them because uh, they have not uh, they've not accepted Jesus as their savior. They're saying that his spirit is separate, like, but he doesn't. That's not the way John communicates. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other uh, views on that, Matt? No." <laughs> my view i mean i'm not confident about what the sin is that leads to death i'm not confident how i know when a person has committed it 
um, I mean, I have some guesses, but I could I say with assurance? And so I keep praying. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to make a mistake, it's going to be towards praying for people, not the other direction towards not praying for people. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I want to be obedient to every part of the scripture, but in this particular situation, guys, I my tiny brain struggles to understand what is the sin that leads to death. How do I know when they have committed it? Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to pray for everyone who hasn't. Right. And if I don't know, then I'm going to err towards praying for people. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. If you have to stand in front of God on judgment day and he says, you know, you, you prayed for some people you didn't have to. That, that seems like way lesser than, why didn't you pray, didn't for, you pray for anybody? <laughs> did you care yes, about people? Yes. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, you see this guy named John. You, you might know him. He wrote this confusing, you know, six chap, six <laughs> right. verses in chapter five of mm. one of his books. And well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, then we kind of go. We kind of go back to Adam, right? Like, I sin because of this person that you created, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is the original sin? I don't. I don't want to. What? I don't want to say that in front of God. Oh no. So this book also ends with reminding the believers to uh, keep away from idols, uh, keep away from idols in our lives. Mm. And I, I, I think that's, that's especially important. And this, I'm, I'm kind of going to a, a, maybe a, a different section. Like I'm, I'm moving yep. past our current conversation to, to go into this next section to say, I, I think that this, this is a big deal. Uh, because, again, the early church is wrestling with a lot of things. They're trying to address idolatry. They could very easily get caught up in addressing idolatry. And over and over again through throughout the book, but in uh, chapter 5, we, we have this reminder of who Jesus is, of this eternal life that's found in him. And I, I, I would mm-hmm. say... Uh, you know, Matt and Joel, one of the things I loved a few weeks ago, we had Vision Sunday. And one of the things I loved about it was honing in and focusing in on we're about following Jesus. And that's called discipleship. And following Jesus in discipleship is at times going to be hard. It's not going to be easy always. It's going to be a choice. It's going to be something that we have to do in it. And I, I think that to a certain degree, that that maybe is where John is leading the churches there to say, Let's focus on the things that matter, and what matters is Jesus, mm. the giver of eternal life. If if I could contextualize and and take that into where we're at today, I just see so many things in our culture right now that that can take our attention off of Jesus or elevate those other things to the same level as Jesus. Mm. Whether we're talking about uh, agendas that come from LGBTQ plus, or whether we're talking about stances uh, in churches on things like speaking in tongues or the prosperity gospel or things like that. In in those cases, we have to be really careful that we're keeping ourselves from idols. And anytime that we raise an, an issue, a person, a thing or stuff above Jesus, it's an idol. We also can be dangerously close, and and I would I would even make the case that we are creating idols. 
when we bring people or bring things, stuff, issues up to the same level mm-hmm. as Jesus. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on that, guys? I'd say another area that you're talking about would be country. Mm. There's nothing wrong with wanting to serve your country or to absolutely whatnot, but they're not equivalent. You know, the, the American flag is not equivalent to the sacrifice Jesus paid Yeah, right. on the cross. Mm. Right. There's a lot of value and values that derive from the flag that's important. Absolutely. And we can honor those, but it's not the same thing. Right. Hmm. And by principle, we want to we want to bless the land that we live in, right. right? I mean, those are those are principles. But the reality is, we're not of this world. We're passing through mm. it. Like our citizenship is in heaven. That's the real citizenship. Yeah. And these are just pictures of something that's way better. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Thanks, Joel. One of the things that this chapter hits is. It ends with idolatry, but it begins, the chapter begins by talking about the proper belief in the identity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the very first verse of chapter five says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ or Messiah yeah. has been born of God. And, and I want to point this out because in the last chapter, we saw that the spirit of God, uh, everyone who has the spirit of God is the person who identifies that Jesus came in the flesh. Yeah, And then in verse 15, we saw that those who are born of God are those who acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's divine. And so within a few verses here, we have this recognition that who is it that is a genuine follower of Jesus? It is the person who accepts that he is fully human, came in the flesh. Right. Fully divine was the Son of God and is the Savior, the Messiah, the promised Christ, according to verse 1. And so there's this beautiful and full identity of Christ mm. in these first few verses that, okay, you can you can worship idols or you can worship Jesus in all of this fullness yeah. um, that he is presenting here. And I, and I love how throughout 1 John he has said, you can tell if a person genuinely loves God based on whether or not they love their brother. Yeah. Right, But then in verse 2 of chapter 5, he reverses that and says, by this we know that we love the children of God. We know if we genuinely love people rightly, when we love God and obey his commandments. Well, that is such a word for our day. Because there are all kinds of people who are like, well, I love God because I love people. Well, well, what do you mean by loving people? Well, I just affirm whoever they want to be. Right. Right. But verse 2 says, no, no, no. A genuine love for, for people is expressed first and foremost by a love for God that loves his commandments and recognizes that commandments in people's lives is what love is about. Mm -hmm. That all of God's commandments are about loving each other and we live according to those commandments in love, not just affirming whatever somebody wants. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really good. And verse three is challenging for us in the sense that this is love for God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Really? <laughs> I, I mean, I okay, wow, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I remember as a teenager, like when I first started dating my wife and I knew like there were areas we couldn't go in our relationship, God's commandments felt burdensome at right. that point, right? Oh Come on now. Yeah. Am I the only yeah, one for point. whom those commandments felt burdensome? <laughs> good point. Oh, but they are not genuinely burdensome. 
Yeah. Uh, right. I, I, the commandments that we give to our kids to stay on the sidewalk and not run out into the busy street right. feel burdensome to them. Or no, you can't right. have that candy. It's 8 p.m. You got to go to bed. Right. But they're not burdensome. They're, right. they're the best. They, yeah. keep the, they keep us alive. Right. Yeah. They actually extend life. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate this. I've loved this study with you guys. Thank you for uh, engaging with me and, and uh, going through this scripture. It's, it's been a lot of fun and, and eye-opening. Appreciate, um, appreciate what you brought to the table. And um, I, I'll just say it. I think, I think I'm a better follower of Jesus because of you. So thanks, guys. I mean it this time. For once, what can I say except you're welcome? Oh, mercy! Oh boy! Oh, well, on that note, uh, friends, thank you for joining in, thank you for engaging. We look forward to seeing you really soon. And as always, don't forget to love, live, and serve like Jesus. God bless you. Well, church fam, that wraps up the book of First John. Tune in next week as we jump into a nice refresh and kick off a new year of ministry. We'll see you next time on your Friendship Church Podcast.